I am the woman at the well. I come to the well in the heat of the day alone to avoid the sneers and the gossiping, wagging tongues that cut into my already broken heart. I avoid the painful ignorance and the lack of loving care. Shame, it is my only covering. My men, they have all thrown me away for those that are younger and prettier than I. The shattered pieces of my life lay scattered all around me, leaving a trail of tears, desperate to be loved, shattered and scattered is my soul. And then, he, the king, the Messiah, Yeshua, he came to meet me, me, at the well. He told me all about myself. He didn't shame me. He didn't blame me. He didn't chastise me. He forgave me. He accepted me. And he healed and delivered me. He fulfills all my hopes of an abiding, undying love that will never end. Shalom, everybody. This is a modern-day Samaritan woman bringing to you another episode of Healing for the Nations. We are on a journey together to the heart of our Father and on that journey, we have fellow sojourners to come alongside of us. Sometimes we need fellow truth tellers because the destiny of our sojournering together is the great wedding feast of the Lamb. And many of you around the world that are listening to my voice, you are anxiously awaiting the bridegroom. You are anxiously waiting for the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, to return for his bride. So we must have our wedding attire without spot and without wrinkle. And I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, but I know I have spots and wrinkles on the back of my wedding dress that I cannot see. And I need people to come alongside of me, truth tellers, to speak to me the truth and love and to help me to address the spots and those wrinkles. So this week's sojourner, fellow sojourner, my guest, Leanda Weimer. Welcome, Leanda. Yeah. Hello. Hello. I'm excited to be here. I am so excited. So Leanda is a licensed clinical social worker and her area of expertise is attachment. Leanda, why don't you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about your uh, your gifts and your talents that the Father has given to you to use for kingdom yeah. work? Yeah, I have been blessed to be able to be trained in kind of trauma attachment, adoption, foster care is kind of my realm of work. Um, I've worked in post-adopt. I've done school social work. So I'm also a licensed school social worker. Um, I have also done attachment focused therapy and now I am working in private practice. Um, and I also kind of have like a little passion project called adoption. Avenue where I have an ebook, I have some resources, some books linked, um, things like that for families and hopeful adoptive parents that they can go there and get some resources and help. So, and I also just feel passionate about training and education and doing things like this show, support groups, training for churches, um, things like that. Wow, that is that is so awesome. Let the listener know how they can find you. I am on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Facebook, I am on 
Adoption Avenue. If you just type in Adoption Avenue, you'll find me. And then also with my private practice, it's called Vine and Branch Counseling on Facebook. And then Instagram, I'm also at Adoption Avenue on Facebook and Instagram both. You'll be able to find me at one of those. Awesome. Thank you. And I always forget to tell people where they can find me. So I also... Mm. yeah. I don't know why. I always forget. But anyways, so uh, listener, if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook, Healing for the Nations with a Modern Day Samaritan Woman. If you are interested in reading some of my writing, you can find that at Healing for the Nations with a Modern Day Samaritan Woman dot WordPress dot com. I also have a YouTube channel and that is also the same name, Healing for the Nations with a Modern Day Samaritan Woman. On my YouTube channel, I have some video teachings that I've done and I will be doing more video teachings in the future. And so anyways, oh, and I also have a new email address. If you want to email me, that is amoderndaysamaritanwoman at gmail.com. So let's get started because we have a lot to cover. (laughs) And yeah, so, so how I like to roll things out is... The first part of the show, we define the problem. We talk about the problem. And the second half of the show, we talk about the solution. So, listener, Mm. I suggest, I just want to encourage that you stick around to not just listen to the problem, but also after break, we're going to talk about solutions. So, Leanda, I'm going to turn the mic over to you, and I'm just going to have you talk about attachment theory, types of attachment, impact of attachment, and then also um, talk a little bit about trauma and um, the ACE study. Thanks. Yeah. Attachment theory, basically to quote John Bowlby, um, the father of attachment, he says, to grow up mentally healthy, the infant and young child should experience a warm, intimate, and continuous relationship with their primary caregiver, parenthesis, mother, in which both find satisfaction and enjoyment. So basically what he's kind of saying, and through his research, his history, um, his experiences, he saw that children really need that bonding with their mother and they need to have that to be able to have a mentally healthy life. And that flows into everything, behavior, further relationships, relationships as adults, I mean, it can flow into everything and everything's interconnected. But then Mary Ainsworth basically kind of took that further and did the stranger um, situation and came up with the four attachment styles are secure, avoidant or anxious avoidant as as it's known, anxious or anxious ambivalent. Um, you may have heard it say or disorganized. And those four attachment styles are really kind of the ones that she saw people exhibiting um, and people really having that behavioral um, response to some of those things. And we know now through these attachments and through research and furthering research that we know these come with a lot of trauma, a lot of, I mean, whether it's the removal of a child at adoption, whether it's experiencing a natural disaster, whether it's, I mean, any type of trauma, it can be acute, chronic, or complex trauma. And we know that these attachment styles can also, with epigenetics, can also play a part in everything and how we see the world and how we view the world of 
jobs and relationships everything with the attachment styles as well we have our mother's attachment style and then our mother's mother attachment style so we follow the maternal attachment line basically but the really cool thing is we know that attachment can be once attachment is established we can transfer it and we can have healthy attachment even if we have an avoidant anxious or disorganized attachment style we know that through different therapies and you know kind of in the second segment here we'll talk about this but there's a lot of ways that we can kind of help transfer attachment and make up some of the things that we need to have a secure attachment that maybe we didn't get in childhood it's like reparenting yourself Mm -hmm. yeah and definitely having some of those developmental experiences stages and things that we may have missed and that are imperative to our development and imperative to our psychological development and our brain development i mean you see and i can link this too or show this picture and we can um send this out too but there's a really powerful picture i like to show when i do trainings of the brain and there's kind of a neurotypical secure rather attachment brain and then there's also a neglected trauma brain and we know that the frontal lobe or the frontal cortex of the brain is basically non-functioning and non-existent and through that we know that the primal brain is the thing that basically is automatic functioning right it's your breathing blinking um all of the automated things that you don't really think about during your day-to-day life but we know that through some of the trauma and some of this biological things that we have experienced that can impact and cause us to be in flight, fight, or freeze mode. So we know that there can be cortisol pooling in the back of the brain, and we have to have some of those developmental experiences also to calm our nervous system and to calm our brain's response to some of these things. Um, So there's a lot of brain education and a lot of things that we're still learning. It's still evolving, and there's things that I'm sure we don't know yet, but it's really cool to look at and how the brain works and how the brain with attachment or kind of through the lens of attachment can grow and have plasticity is what we call it that there's a lot of things that we can make up for things that we lack in childhood or things that we were not given as children and developing it's sometimes always i find that it's hard for people kind of like you had previously mentioned when we were talking before, but talking about our own childhoods and kind of going through things and talking with people as my job, um, kind of dissecting some of their childhood and experiences and things like that. It's not always easy, but I think it's important for healing and important for moving forward and being healthy. Absolutely, because so many people get stuck at the time of the trauma and and uh you know one of the things that i find fascinating um is i did a show a few years ago on father wounds and Mm -hmm. you know the bible talks about us being adopted into Mm -hmm. the father the heavenly father's family well a lot of us did not have healthy attachment secure attachment with our fathers or even our mothers and so i think it's really i think it has a negative impact with our ability to believe that we are loved by Mm -hmm. the father and to feel secure in his love yeah and i know for me i've had a very difficult time i mean i can say to other people you know oh the father loves you so much and 
and I can believe it for them, but because of my insecure attachment to my father and my mother, I've had a very difficult time with feeling the father's love or believing the father's love. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just listening to you talking about the brain and how it functions, it, uh, it reminds me of in Psalms 139 in verse 13, where it says, For you fashioned my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I thank you because I am awesomely made. Wonderfully, mm-hmm. your works are wonders. I know this very well. Just so amazes me how the Father knits us together in our mother's womb. And yeah. and and I just sense I I've been talking to some really amazing women lately that are healers. You know, they're anointed by the mm. Father and they have different skill sets. And it just seems like the Father is networking, calling forth the healers to come together to network and to help the body of Messiah to heal, to address the spots and wrinkles in our wedding attire and to prepare mm-hmm. us for for our eternal life actually. And mm-hmm. uh, you know this 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 world is not our home and he's healing us, he's delivering us, he's restoring us. And part of that, yeah. I believe, is to understand that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, to understand how he made our brains to, to function, and to understand the dysfunction, yeah. the dysfunction in our lives. And not just to understand the dysfunction, but to uh, break the stigma mm-hmm. and, and to provide the healing, the methodologies um, I was talking to one of my friends yesterday, and she was mentioning the different methodologies that Jesus, Yeshua, used in healing. And it's not one size fits all. No, no, it's definitely not. Yeah. Well, and I think even with you talk about healing, and I think avoidant, anxious, and disorganized attachments can all be kind of, this is a very general summarization, but it can be summed up in lack of trust. Yeah. And for whatever reason, there has been a lack of trust, you know, whether that's a caregiver didn't give you food or you didn't um, get clothes or you weren't held as a baby and picked up. Maybe you were even born in an orphanage in an international country um, and you were left in a crib for hours on end. And, you know, there, there's a lot of things that could be, again, this is a very general summarization, but that trust. And I see, you know, reading even through the Old and New Testament, there's a lot of ways and different examples of God wanting us to trust him and wanting to establish that trust and wanting to show that we can trust and that he is trustworthy you know, and so I think that's again a very um, general summarization. But I think that trust is a huge cornerstone of our relationship and healing. And talking about these attachment styles and kind of looking at how they present themselves, um, they all can happen through a lack of trust for various reasons. And you know definitely good reasons if you didn't if you didn't have adults that met your needs why wouldn't you you wouldn't trust adults you know that's a very justified reason but again i think it sums up 
that a lot of those um, attachment styles need to, we need to trust people and be able, we can trust God first and foremost. Yes, but I just want to in- interject that there are untrustworthy people out there. But, right. So, Absolutely. Yeah, it's all about, uh, you know, Trusting learning God. Yeah. Learning to, to trust the Father to provide mm-hmm. our every need. And, you know, when He made us, He made us with needs we need a uh, right we need to feel loved we need to feel accepted right and we need to feel like we belong somewhere and uh yeah you know belonging into the family of the messiah and i know for some of us we can be in a crowd of people but we still feel alone mm-hmm. and um i think that's probably the residual effect of being brought up in a family where you are not accepted you didn't feel like you belonged right. in that family and you know it's just fascinating this whole area of study is so fascinating the ace um study is extremely um, interesting, fascinating to me. Adverse yeah. childhood, adverse childhood experiences. I use that when I go out to speak. I yeah. have that quiz that I use with with people, and I use um, a little uh, clip, um, a little film clip for people to understand what the adverse childhood experiences are and how it has a lifelong impact. And um, yeah. So we're going to provide that listener to yes. to the Facebook page. So I just want to encourage people to take that quiz, but also to start looking into this this area of study that's so fascinating. So we need to go on break. So when we come back yeah. from break, we're going to continue to talk to my guest today, licensed clinical social worker leanda weimer will be right back shalom welcome back everybody this is a modern day samaritan woman bringing to you the second half of healing for the nations if you missed the first half um, i highly recommend that you tune in to another time that it airs You can go to Hebrew Nation Radio, look up the schedule, and you will find the different times that Healing for the Nations airs. Or you have the option of going to the Deliverance tab on the radio station's website. And if you click on that tab, Deliverance, you will find this show plus a lot of other shows that I have done with different guests in the past. So I want to welcome back my guest, Leanda Weimer. Welcome back. Yes. Hello. Thank you. You are good to be back. Yeah. So we were talking about, we were listening to Leanda talk about the different attachment styles and the impact that it has in the adult life. And we were touching on the adverse childhood experiences research which i find very fascinating that was the first time yeah. i was exposed to that was a two-day workshop put on by the local drug court and yeah. uh, it was fascinating and i'll tell you it really answered a lot of questions for myself in my own journey through life 
and it really helped right. it really helped me understand that there was a lot of um, stages developmental stages that I had missed and plus with right. my own childhood abuse that I uh, unfortunately uh, experienced along with my early drug use and and alcohol usage it really yeah. helped me understand my own yeah. arrested development yeah and it's crazy to think the aces was made from a cardiologist yes i mean he was the one that started it and started noticing his patients having elevated heart rate and then just kind of got curious started looking into more and figuring out that like yeah there may be something to this and started asking people surveys and if they would mind filling out different childhood experiences and things check marking those and then through research he kind of compiled it and started looking and thought like hey yeah maybe there's something here and there's i wish i tried looking it up today and if somebody remembers this um, they can comment below or type it or like send me an email or something. I'm trying to figure out who this was. I cannot remember for the life of me, but there was a researcher psychologist that did research on children. It's not John. I don't believe it's John Bowlby, but there was a psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever, um, researcher, we'll call him, that did research on children that had had a traumatic event. And I want to say it was after a war potentially or natural disaster. I can't remember which, but he had children coming off the playground and they would take their heart rate and the children seemed very calm, cool, collected, totally normal on the outside. But then when they took their vital signs and took these children's heart rates, they noticed that they were all elevated and that they were all experiencing stress. And through that traumatic event, obviously. And so, yeah, with attachment kind of through that lens as well, even like you were saying, experiencing, we know that if you have more than six ACEs, um, and that's a very high, high number of traumatic events and adverse childhood experiences that happen. And most times children that I see primarily, even in my practice with obviously adoption and foster care have experienced a lot of trauma, but a lot of their attachment their development has, they have missed some stages of their development that are imperative. And we know through research too, that they have to go through one stage to go to the next, yes. to go to the next stage. And you can't skip around. And we also know that through trauma, the age that the trauma happens is basically kind of more socially and emotionally you stop developing until you really start working and doing some of like these modalities that we're going to talk about, like until you start doing therapy and really some of this healing work, you are really stopped at that social and emotional age. You And with trauma, we know too, kids, especially the population I work with, kids are really more like if I'm working with a 10 year old, he's really going to be about five. Mm. Um, we know kids are about half their chronological age, socially and emotionally. And so that can come out in behavior that can come out in baby talk that can come out in, you know, some of these things that revert, but then through their trauma, they can act like an adult though in the same sentence. So I think a lot of parents kind of look at it like you were just acting like an adult and now you're acting like a baby, like what's going on. Um, but we know through their brain development and through research, they really are kind of both. Um, they have had that flight, right, or freeze mode, and they've had that cortisol pulled in their brain where they are in that mode for so long that it's called pooling. And we know that through pooling, they have not been able to really regulate their nervous system and regulate their brain. 
And so they are constantly not in a bad way, but they are just in survival mode. So if that means they need to, you know, and that's kind of how the attachment styles can come out too, is they can, you have maybe one kid through that experience that will be extremely clingy and very needy and, you know, kind of that experience. And then you might have a kid that's very removed, very distant, very apathetic for emotion and for experiences. So there's kind of two ends of the spectrum. And that's really what John Bowlby noticed. And that kind of was the thing that really got him curious about it and how he started researching it. That's fascinating. As I listen to you, I'm thinking about, um, I took the ACE study. I had a really nice glossy handout. And my Mm. last job as a recovery coach, I went into a local county jail. And I worked with uh, the social worker. And we did Mm. groups together with both the the men and the women. Yeah. And I started taking into these groups, not AA or NA, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous information. I took in adult children of alcoholic and dysfunctional families, Mm -hmm. 12-step information along with the ACEs. Yeah. And I started teaching them about you know, reparenting, I started teaching them about the ACEs Mm -hmm. and I started teaching them about, you know, telling them, uh, it's, so the question is not what the heck is wrong with you. The Mm -hmm. right question is what happened to you? Tell me your story. And oh my goodness, I'm telling you, I had men who were facing life in prison, open up Mm. and share their story and let me tell you the things that these adults experienced as little people out on the streets forced to commit crimes uh, because their mother or their father were out prostituting themselves uh, mm-hmm. you know, gang banging. Their father was in prison. Their mother was addicted yep. to crack. She was prostituting herself. I mean, the stories. I, I'm sure you've heard a lot of stories, sad, oh. sad stories. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so this is where the compassion and empathy comes in, mm-hmm. is understanding the arrested development, understanding what lack of right. um proper attachment, healthy attachment, the the fallout of that and the trauma and the brain and all these different components to this. And our prisons are filled. Our jails are 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 filled. There's right. not enough treatment for those suffering with substance abuse. Um, Mm -hmm. addictions and it's not just substance abuse there's many people addicted to sex there's many people addicted to pornography this country has a huge problem with addiction and disassociation I was shocked to find out that disassociation which is part of survival being in survival mode can be sitting in front of the television with a bowl of ice cream or a gallon of ice cream, or pizza, you know, pizza, you know, name your your favorite uh, food, and sitting in front of the television night after night after night, um, or playing video games, 
you know, how many people are addicted to video games. This is all a form oh. of escapism, yeah. you know, numbing out. Right. And so many of us uh, live in survival mode. Right. Yeah. And yeah, that yeah, flight, fight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. And that really, we know, too, that that can stem initially from the amygdala sending it to the hippocampus, like in the brain sending those messages. But we also know, like, you know, those things like you were talking about with like addictions and pornography, prostitution, like all of these things um, can also be from epigenetics and having an epigenetics um, kind of component to it. But through ACEs, we know that they are more likely to have health issues, mental health issues, those addictions, those things too, from their childhood, mm-hmm. you know, they're all stemming back from their experiences and lack of experience, right, right. Um, healthy experience, you know, that they were not given. And I think how powerful is it that God gave us this research and these people um, throughout history? I mean, even, you know, John Bowlby coming up and having just curiosity and kind of starting that and then, you know, kind of fast forwarding even to um, kind of talking about things, you know, I'm sure uh, people are probably thinking like, okay, these are all pretty um, heavy topics. Like, what do we do to help it? What do we do to change it? Um, how do we help heal or what do we do to process? And obviously therapy, um, I think, you know, those things um, are definitely always good to recommend, but also there are specific types of therapy. Um, and specifically, I may be partial, but there's some therapies that I have learned that have been very beneficial in, in incorporating all of this knowledge um, with Karen Purvis developing TBRI has been a huge component of my therapy practice and doing that with families and teaching parents of adoptive kids that obviously, yeah, it's not like looking at their behavior just as their behavior, but looking at the need behind the behavior and why are they doing this and understanding their childhood and understanding the ACEs and even the parents understanding their own attachment style um, and what you bring to the table in parenting, you know, and so that helps you parent better for future generations. And I think Karen Purvis had, obviously, uh, I'm trying to think of how to describe it, but she had a lot of research. She did a lot of compilation with people and different researchers she worked with like Dr. David Cross and um, Texas Christian University that she developed this TBRI and it was again I think God ordained like this was her idea and something she kind of took with and developed this modality to help and there's also TheraPlay out of Chicago and the Institute the TheraPlay Institute that TheraPlay really is also kind of recreating some of those childhood development experiences that we know now children need to have to continue on to the next developmental stage. So those are two huge puzzle pieces or components that I bring um, when I do therapy and that are very imperative to understanding and kind of with that lens of the ACEs and attachment and trauma understanding and kind of bringing that to the table. That is so good. And and it is yeah. all about finding out our attachment styles finding a therapist yeah. that that understands this that are that are qualified therapists because yeah. there's a lot of therapists out there um sure. that you know yeah they they have different areas of expertise it's just like uh mm-hmm. you know if you have a a problem if you have a broken foot you're not going to go to a brain surgeon right yeah and so. that's exactly the it's so funny you say that cuz that's like almost identical verbatim 
the example I give to people. Yeah, so a different uh, therapist. Yeah, exactly. And and my pet peeve is people that have domestic violence issues going to, mm. you know, how do I want to say this? So in order to get the right kind of help, you need to find mm-hmm. a person who is trained and understands yes. domestic abuse because. Many right. therapists, many therapists, they may know about it, but they are not trained. Right. And a lot of damage, exactly. a lot of damage yep. happens when you try to address a certain situation, a certain life situation mm-hmm. with a person that does not have the right kind of training. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, yeah, I think that's the perfect example to give is like, yeah, you wouldn't go to a neurologist for a cardio issue, you know, like there's, and they're both great. They're both good doctors. They're both um, good at what they do and they're both trained in their own respects, you know, but it's like, you have to find, yeah, the right trained therapist for the right issue. And, you know, I think therapists don't mind, like I'm kind of speaking for all therapists here, but I don't think therapists mind being questioned, like, what is your training? You know, what are you, what is your experience and what is your expertise in, you know, and I don't mind answering that at all. And I mean, in fact, I make that well known on my website and my training and background and what I am you know, experienced in, and I will definitely be happy to refer people on if there's something that I don't feel comfortable Mm -hmm. or I'm not educated in or researched in at all to take on. Like, I will be happy to refer out um, for other people. Right, which is actually the ethical professional thing to do. And, you know, we're almost almost out of time, but one of the things that I did want to bring to the table was that one of the healing modalities is actually... Uh, support groups mm. where mm-hmm. you know you're receiving hugs you're re- you know you you are receiving yeah. love and acceptance from other people that are struggling with alcohol struggling with drug addiction mm-hmm. um you know my favorite uh 12 step is actually adult children of alcoholic dysfunctional families that talks about the trauma, the post-traumatic stress, and also gives the tools, the the practical tools to address the arrested development, to address, you know, learning how to reparent yourself and learning how to love yourself, Mm -hmm. love yourself in a healthy way so that you can love your neighbor as the Father commands us Mm -hmm. to do. So unfortunately, we are out of time. I just yeah. want to thank you so much. Please remind oh, people you. remind people how they can find you. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram at Adoption Avenue or Vine and Branch on Facebook. Thank you so much. And yeah. with that, listener. Yeah, 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 yeah
ויעשה לך שלום.